Hey, hi and hello. This is Nick Shoulders, and you're listening to Cloudwatcher Uno podcast out Friday, May 7th, 2021. Appreciate y'all. Okay, bye.
Hi everybody, that was Snakes and Waterfalls by Nick Shoulders from his album Lonely Like Me. How's it going? It's going very well. It's going very well. Um, I have to say, you know, um, my, my, my nerves are all like this because it's just like, it's him. It's really him. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I, I, I'm just trying to just trying to hang in there you know it's finally spring here so uh it's uh it's 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 kind of a, a great day to have the doors and windows open so we're we're coming at you on uh in a very good place you know excellent excellent so i'm i'm gonna start this off and go ladies and gentlemen the legend that is nick shoulders is here in the podcast <laughs> i love it it's fantastic to have you have you on the show um um just love your music. Um, love the fact that you know your voice, your whistling, your yodeling. It just it just takes me away. Take literally takes me into a different land, into a different place. Um, if you didn't exist, we'd have to create you. <laughs> Thanks so much. I mean, that's all very high praise. I I appreciate that a ton because like. You know, we're literally across an ocean right now. So, like the the fact that I I can can bring you that place that's that means a lot. That's a big deal, you know. So I I thanks so much for listening and having me on because this is super cool to me. I I haven't talked to too many people in different countries about my music, so this is this is neat. Yeah, well, um, because 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 I think one 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 of the things that grabbed me about the music was because to me it feels like it is timeless as well because of. Because you've got the slim wit wit Whitman there, you you know you've got 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 it, it harks back to that, and you know Indian call, and I love I love the yodeling in that as well, and then because you I did, there's a few a few a few artists that 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 you know you know capture the yo 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 yodeling, there's obviously yourself, there's. Uh, Joshua Ray Walker as well, because you know I was just like, there's more than one, there's two, yes. Uh there's there's quite a few of us out there, you know. Sierra Farrell's very good at that kind of singing, and then Leone Evans in in Britain is an amazing singer that hangs out in New Orleans with us, and she does all that. So I mean, there's there's I'm not alone, you know. Yes, this is what we want. <laughs> this is what the world needs. Uh, uh, sure. Oh, for sure. Um, so explain to us where, where you are now, because, because you used to be in New Orleans, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was in New Orleans for uh, three years. And uh, when the pandemic started, uh, things just kind of were shifting for everybody. And uh, what started as kind of a hiatus back in the Ozarks ended up being full time. So I'm back in Arkansas, where I'm from. Uh, but Arkansas and Louisiana share a border, you know, they're kind of neighbors. So moving from Louisiana to Arkansas, is, it's not really a big deal. So I'm, I'm like a day's drive from New Orleans. So it's not that crazy, you know. That's fantastic. Fantastic. And um, for, for me, I think one, one, one of the unique things about your music, I mean, just like MDO, number zero. Um, and after hours, I mean, just pure classics, absolute classics. Can 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 you tell tell us about those songs and just how you because you started off as a drone drum, right? Exactly. Yeah, I was 
I was a drummer for like metal bands when I was young. And uh, I think I kind of that carried that rhythm uh, through my music later on. But, you know, I, I had the kind of like yodeling and whistling that I learned as a kid in the woods, just being bored. Uh, and I sort of combined that with the, uh, the DIY culture that I was interacting with, you know, the metal and the punk world and stuff. And there's, there's a lot more people out there willing to listen to it than I thought. So, you know, kind of taking the sounds of yesteryear and mashing them up with the, the, he the heavy rhythm was really what kind of made that, that first OK Crawdad record. Because really, it's dance music. You know, in New Orleans, like, we partner dance. It was all, everything around there. And in South Louisiana in general, it, the partner dancing tradition never died. So all that music is written for a dance floor audience. So that's why it has such a hard rhythm to it and why it is so, like, fun and kind of like it sounds like old country because old country was written for dancing and so when you listen to like americana singer songwriters a lot of times it's written outside of the context of like a hard driving rhythm that you need to dance to it so like new orleans country in general has like that sound because of partner dancing you know and um I've been um, just enjoying all the, all the vivid videos that, that you know that that can capture you just in full flow, and uh, it's great to see you in action. I mean, I mean, I'm hoping that um, I'll get, get to see you in November as well. Is it no November or October that you're coming? I believe it's early November. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. November the tenth, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I cannot believe that that is going to get to happen. I, you know, I have left the United States this much, not very much at all. And so like to, to get to to come to another place to play my music, that's altogether crazy. So, yeah, I'm I'm very, very, very excited. Now, um, one, one, one of your songs, uh, Hank's Check Checkout Line, you've mm -hmm. got that line in there. You can't juice cleanse your conscience. That, 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 that is the... the epitome of what good lyrics should be i mean where did you come up with uh, with that how where well to be perfectly Explaining frank genius. so i was i was living in my van for a minute uh out west in the united states and i was in california and i i loved california for a lot of reasons but it was also just an excessively populated place there's a lot of people there for a good reason and i remember going to this one grocery store and it was in Santa Cruz and they had like this whole juice cleanse special out there. And I was just looking at these throngs of people and I was like, man, this is like tough on the environment too, even though all these people think they care about the environment. And I guess you just can't juice cleanse your conscience. And I remember that stuck with me and I was like, oh, son, I'm going to keep that one. That's, that's for a song later on. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then um, you've, you've also... Um... Kind, kind, kind of been partnering up with Western AF as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Them and Jim's on VHS and yeah. my buddy Nick Butch. Really, I, I can't say enough for the power of videographers in this COVID era. You know, like uh, before COVID started I, and the lockdowns began, I was just playing honky tonk shows in New Orleans. I didn't really have very many plays on the internet you know one album had just come out uh, or the newer album had just come out and uh all of a sudden with that western af video um really the whole thing changed so i i really can't say enough that like people during these lockdowns and during all these hard times having access to all this video stuff has been so valuable because like it helps us as artists get noticed sure but like 
the amount of times I get tagged in Instagram videos and see people just like in their living rooms watching our videos. I'm just like, this is so cool that this is helping folks pass time. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't imagine like what I would do without music during this pandemic. Yeah. And then to be able to share it with other people makes me just feel like a lo- like I can give, I can contribute a little bit. Cause like, that's the only way you feel like you can contribute as a musician is if you like are playing shows and playing parties and like having that kind of interaction with people. So not being able to do that, being able to give back in some way feels, you know, it's, it's nominal. It's not much, but it feels good. You know, that tiny little bit. Oh, oh I, I, I have to disagree with you there. It's not non-nominal at all. Your impact and musicians like you are huge because music is such like a core of the, the human experience, especially now when, 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 when you're, you're just faced with four walls and that's all you see. That's all you see. You just you know you roll out of bed and then that's that and then you know what 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 else gives gives you joy? I mean, even sad songs give you joy because it sure. it, it transports you. It's like a wormhole. It takes you back to that time and place, right? It's like it's mm-hmm. like your very, very own time machine, and and your songs in particular. I mean, they they not only transport you to to the first time that, that you've heard your your music but then it take you further back because you're using that era of music and instruments and your voice just to transport every every one well i mean and i appreciate you saying all that i really do and i think what what you're hearing and what i what i hope i'm communicating with the music is that i'm i'm really drawing from sure like old country music and stuff and i listen to a ton of it and the dance culture in there is, is stuff but like the formation of that early country music like what were people hearing who were the first honky tonkers and like the first people recorded in the 30s and 40s and stuff like what were they listening to and what did they grow up with and like the sounds of my family's old gospel music and what i was hearing around in arkansas when i was young like a lot of that was more like the the influences on the beginnings of country music than what came later like i you know i've heard a ton of uh 60s and on country like i grew up on that stuff but like really and truly what influences the core of my music is the source material, you know, it's the old stuff. So I think maybe that's what you're hearing is that, that, you know, the way my grandfather sang was from a time before microphones, like he inherited that from older singers and his family and people around him. So like when, when I'm singing that stuff, I'm calling back to a time before any of this was even recorded when this was just people on street corners and in churches and then old houses and stuff like, you know, this is front porch music, and now it gets to be internet music, and that's kind of trippy, huh? It, it is, and I mean, it kind kind of harks back to to the, um the, the the history of country music because country music started in the south, but then but then you got a whole mix of mm-hmm. different. You know, you got the whole wine steel guitar and everything else, and you can you know you got the banjo, which 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 came came originally from from African slaves. You got a whole I don't want to use the word melting pot, but nothing else springs to mind. But it's still like a crossroads of a crossroads. How how, mm-hmm. how it all just came from every direction, and you've got got this joyous music that you know. For for us, they're definitely you know, you know um, it's crossed an ocean to come here to England. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I mean, it, it take the banjo, for example, everything you just mentioned, like it starts in the American South after coming uh, with the very tragic story of slavery and then gets sort of reimagined and repurposed and uh, disseminated by people who are doing nothing but but bringing joy to the sound of the instrument. And then it travels to somewhere like Ireland and you get the four string tenor banjos and stuff. And I mean, I'm sure that there's some interplay back and forth, but just like being able to hear a band like the Pogues in the eighties or something that have got, you know, banjo and mandolin and stuff on it. And it's this back and forth, this, this amazing interplay between, uh, between oceans, between people here and like country music. Yes. It's, it's got its nexus in this very specific piece of geography, but really, it's a story of transience and that's kind of like all of Amer of America's like mystique is that transience and that movement. And so like country music is very much like a part of that expansion and contraction and that it's just a story. And that's, what's I think so fascinating to people is it's not just a genre that appeared. Uh, there is a history and there's a context and there's, there's this whole story to uncover that if you're willing to put the time into it, uh, it's there. And I think that's when people who have like a historical leaning, like myself, I'm a huge history nerd. I grew up just being like a hopeless nature and history devotee. And so like having a music genre, having a uh, a type of, of vernacular traditional music that also kind of ties into this broader history and like helps explain America and helps explain, you know, the context of how we got here as a society, like that's very valuable to me. So I, I you know, as much as I like playing punk music, that just showed up in a lot of ways in the last 50 years where I've, if I play country music, you get to be a part of something bigger than you. It's older, it's giant, it's this huge massive tradition. And that's what's important to me is being part of something bigger than me. And I think um, even though you may not see, see it this way, other thing think you are carrying on that tradition as well. Um, I mean, you're, you're, you're not slavishly, you, you know, just copying everything that I came you're you're bringing it bang up to date with, with all all the modern and tem tempo as well with mm -hmm. um just just your expression the, the way that that you sing um, I mean it kind kind of harks back with you know you've got um artists like Daniel Johnston as well with who you know we, we bow down to Dan Dan Daniel oh yeah absolutely um but but it it, it looks like they've passed on the baton to you and then you've just grabbed it with both hands <laughs> i mean i'd really like to think so and that that's again like all of these comparisons are are high praise because like in my mind everybody who who hears country music and wants to be a part of it you know it's like getting to be a part of mount rushmore but mount rushmore has got a million faces on it you know what i mean it's like this huge mountain and if you want to join in and you want to like be a part of it, like you get to be a part of the mountain. But I mean, progressing the thing, uh, you know, I, I think that I have tried in other ways in the past to like purposefully do it. And I finally gave up and I was just like, listen, I'm just going to play grandpa music and we'll see how this goes. And it went well and people were receptive. And that like, really, I, I think that that was a long journey to like, how do you actually progress this music? And it turns out you go right back to the very center of it and you try to find what makes it compelling to begin with. And so I, I think that like a lot of people have had that interaction with this music and their lives. And it's, it's so cool to see everyone's journey with it because it, it really is fascinating. And everyone has folks, you know, there's folk music for every person. So it's like, and when I get to see kind of the continuity between American country music and then when I watch uh, you know, throat singers on the step 
and I'm seeing them with like the mountains and their horses. And I'm like, this is just cowboy music for people that shoot arrows. You know, like this is so badass. It's so fucking cool. So, I mean, like it, all of the, 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 like the continuity is just really what it means to me, you know? Well, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned arrows and the bow because I mean, you've brought back to life. Well, I don't think you specifically brought, brought back to life, but you used a mouth bow as well, right? Mm -hmm. I actually have one right here. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, this is one my friend made for me uh, out of a rib bone. Oh wow! Um, but it's uh, it's from a the Little Buffalo River. It's a tributary of the Buffalo here in Arkansas, and it's got a banjo tuner on this end. But yeah, this one's fun. It's a little quiet. Honestly, this doesn't play that well, but it looks cool, so I keep it around. <laughs> Definitely looks cool. And then um, you've got a fantastic song, Too, too Old to Dream. Um, can, can we explain a little bit about that? Because that is just, oh, I love that song. Thank you so much. I So that song, the phrase Too Old to Dream comes from a really old song uh, that's called When I Grow Too Old to Dream. And I played that song around all my grandparents and uh, was really shocked to find out that this kind of cool old recording that I had heard was something that like, oh, people I'm alive or like I'm related to and are alive with me know the lyrics to this and grew up hearing this. And like, this is something that they like know how to sing from the original way they heard it. And uh, so I remember playing it for my grandfather when he was sick and he actually like corrected some of the chords for me. He was like, you want to play it right? And I was like, okay, sorry. You know, and like tried, tried to try to do it a little better. But that that song in its conception was like, I was really thinking about that phrase, too old to dream, like how how profoundly sad an idea that is, you know, to, to be at an age when when really you're kind of only left with uh with that ethereal sort of um, uh, sense of like, you were a person, but like, where are you? You know, just you're lost without your dreams. And um, I really just was pondering kind of situations of people in my life, situations I was in. So kind of that song is a, a three-parter, basically about three people that I'm close to who I just wanted to kind of will a little bit of, uh, of like strength and fortitude to, and a little bit of uh, understanding. And so it's, 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 you know, I don't know if those folks will ever know. It's a little bit for me. It's a little bit for them. But it's it's uh, it's a song about hope, really. And that that's hoping you never grow too old to dream. Fantastic. And you come from a musical family as well, because your cousin is uh, really Carlisle, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, to whether or not Willie and Dylan Earl and I are all officially related or not is kind of it's hard to say, you know, I won't, I won't uh, give away too many, too many uh, secrets here, but I do come from a musical family. Uh, my grandparents on both sides uh, were, were musical. My grandparents on one were like deep South gospel warblers. And on the other, were kind of like multi-instrumentalists. Like my grandfather on one side has passed on his uh, fiddle to me and I had his guitar. I don't know what happened to it. It's a tragedy. And then my grandfather on the other side and my grandmother on that side gave me sort of the deep sarf wall, that warbly old, old kind of clapboard church way of singing. So I was super lucky to kind of be around that stuff peripherally, but my parents don't play an instrument. They don't, you know, there's not a, there was not a lick of music in my house growing up. So I like learned how to whistle and yodel and do all this stuff in a void. You know, I was, I kind of just learned to impress or to impersonate everything around me and eventually i figured out like oh i can kind of convincingly sing like my grandfather so it was uh 
more by by proximity than anything i didn't get to get like right up next to music too much as a kid but i mean hearing like a banjo fiddle duo at uh, audubon camp when i was a little kid you know hearing old time music for the first time hearing uh kind of mountain singers there was a lot of stuff that influenced me that wasn't family but it was i definitely had a lot of family around that was uh singing and that was very cool so what was it like for you to, you know, you've got all these songs, you've, you've played them live um, in front front of an audience. What was it like actually getting it out? Your, your first, first album, you know, releasing that? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so I, I played in all those other bands as a backing player for years or, you know, heading certain other ones. Like uh, I had some kind of like party time uh thrash punk rock and roll bands and metal bands that i played drums for of course but uh you know i i didn't really know what it was like to put music out under my own name until a couple years ago and i just was like you know screw it no more pseudonyms no more wacky names like this is just gonna go out under my you know what's on my driver's license and uh when i started doing that i was so relieved it really was like a big relief to not kind of have all these like characters and elaborate ruses and kind of crazy things that I concocted for these past bands where I didn't want to come out from behind a character and this was more of just like okay I'm just gonna like kind of be uh, uh raw about it this is just me and so I I, I really would say it was a big relief to start releasing this music because it felt like I've been kind of uh building towards something like it for most of my musical life about half my life I'd say I've been building towards it so it, it was cool to kind of come out from behind that and then um, the title of the album, Lonely Like Me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've, you've got a track there as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Title track. So was, was that specifically chosen or did, 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 did you um, think, um, shall I go with this? Shall I not go with this? How, how did you choose? you know, the, the, the songs that I managed to get onto that album? Well, to be perfectly frank, that was kind of a desperate effort. Um, when I first moved in New Orleans, I had a few songs in my pocket, Empty Yodel, for example. Uh, I'd been kind of thumbing around on the beginnings of Snakes and Waterfalls, but um, I didn't really have a band until three months before we recorded Lonely Like Me. So, I mean, that was... I basically moved to town and I was like, hey, buddies, you're so good at music and I'm not good at guitar. I'm just writing a few of these songs. Will you, you know, will you all want to start this up? So we played a few shows that spring and I was like, let's cut a, uh, a little demo with our buddies at Mashed Potato Records, which is uh, Duff Thompson and uh, Sam Doors and Bill Howard. What wasn't there for our session, but they all started that Mashed Potato Records deal. Highly recommend looking up all that on Spotify. Uh, if you're out there in radio land, but um, yeah, we just, we recorded that thing in a living room right next to the Mississippi river on the levee. And, you know, it's basically, that's all we had to record. It wasn't so much like we chose to do that. We, like we had to dig out three covers, I think, to even have music on that, that uh, little demo. So we just weren't very good and hadn't been around very long. And uh, had, I just started writing that music. So we, we cut that not very long after becoming a band really. Wow, because that's not how how it come, comes across. It comes across as it your... It certainly doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you, it comes across as your calling card to say, like, here, this is Nick next shoulder. This is what I can do, right? This is what you should, you should be listening to. I mean, 
Black Star. I love that that whole story for Black Star. I mean, mm. come on. It seems like some Wild West Dean Martin, John Wayne-esque adventure that's been like filmed by John Ford. You know what? You nailed it on the head because that's from an Elvis movie. Oh. <laughs> that is from him being like a motorcycle rebel. And check it out. They released or the original song title of that movie was Black Star, and they recorded the the theme song, right? And then they were like, ah, actually, we don't think Black Star is such a hot title. We're going with Flaming Star. So they re-recorded it and made a whole movie. So there is a movie called Flaming Star. It's an Elvis movie. I think he like wears a cowboy hat and rides a motorcycle. And uh, it's real. I mean, I don't know if you're an Elvis movie devotee. Sorry in advance, but they're not. They're not good movies, you know. And like that's an especially <laughs> bad movie. So no. like. I, I wouldn't watch Flaming Star, but at least look up the old theme song for Black Star because it was buried for years. And uh, I found out about it because David Bowie's final album was called Black Star. Yes. Yeah. And, and I looked into it and they're like, he was a fan of this Elvis recording. And I was like, whoa, cool. I didn't know there was an Elvis recording called Black Star. Yeah. So I looked into it and sure enough, and I was like, wow, this is such a neat song. So when I was teaching myself guitar uh, in whatever fall of 2016, uh, that's one of the first songs that I was like hearing because I, I had just found out about it because of David Bowie. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And uh, I, maybe some part of me playing that was uh, was repayment for all the years that uh, listening to Ziggy Stardust and all that, you know, I, I, I appreciate Bowie a ton. So it was cool that maybe that that, that was my way of saying thanks for the for the Black Star. But yeah, it's a it's a great song. I love that song. I mean, my 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 teeny tiny little mind has just been completely blown now. So it's just like, oh my God, I've got to investigate this. So you really do. Google, 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 Spotify. Mm -hmm. uh, Spotify. <laughs> you know, um, so after that, then, you know, in 2018, you, you, you had OK Crawl that that as well. But is, isn't, that the, isn't that the name of your band as well? Totally. So basically, when... When we recorded Lonely Like Me, like I said, it was sort of like, we got to do this. And in retrospect, maybe we should have waited a year. But, you know, we we came back to because New Orleans operates on seasons. You know, there's like a tourist season and that's where everybody is living there and doing their thing. And then a lot of people break off and uh, sublet their rooms and they tour during the summer. So during that next season, we played a ton more shows and I was writing songs and I was finally like, OK, let's record a real record. I've never recorded like a full length record. So that was OK Crawdad. And essentially, you're hearing like a, a very, like an ultra specific slice of time and place and history and people uh, that make up that New Orleans dance scene and that, that sound and that particular like couple of years that influenced that record. And I couldn't think of another title for the damn thing. And I was like, you know what? I like the I like OK Crawdad because that's what this was originally. Like I Lonely Like Me was almost released as OK Crawdad or Lonely Like Me by OK Crawdad. Like I, I decided that it was finally time to release some music under my name. So OK Crawdad got shelved. And I was like, well, why don't we just use that as the backing band? So it became Nick Shoulders and the OK Crawdad after that. But uh, really, I just wanted to say like, hey, this is what we sounded like. This is what life was like. And this is what the album is. So it, it ought to just get named after the band. That's how that happened. And then you've, you've come into the, the, the New Orleans music scene, scene as well. And then, you know, you know you, you, you're there with Cecil Beamer, McCarla and the Dude Drops as well. 
what, what was that like? I, I loved playing drums for just anyone that would have, you know, like I, I was a pickup drummer for a ton of bands, but I was playing, uh, I was filling in for a friend of mine playing for another friend's band. And Sabine was at the show and we had been buddies for a few months and she was like, you play drums. And I was like, yeah, I've been trying to advertise that to people. I want to play drums for people. And she's like, I'm starting a band. Let's do that. So essentially her taking her solo music and applying it to like a bigger doo-wop band uh, that had sort of like a New Orleans old rhythm and blues sound. That was me and her at the same time kind of taking our 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 songs and and applying them to a bigger band context so it's been so cool to see sabine rise up out of that and like of course chris acker is a buddy of mine and he took me on tour really as like before i could play guitar i went and played drums for him for three weeks and then i was like well i love these folks i should probably just move to new orleans so that's kind of the the nexus of all that but there's i could just go on and on and on but there's a playlist i made on spotify called un-americana and it's got all the New Orleans cats on it, all the buddies. And I, I try to like advertise as much as possible. Like if you like the sound of the, the New Orleans records, you should check out all my buddies because it's uh, the same people making them, you know? So it's, it's, it's really great music. It is fantastic. Um, and then, I mean, what, what I love about OK Crocodile that is also, also the, the videos as well. I mean, you just seem like you're having so much fun. It just showed yeah. on your face. Well, I, I hope so, because it, it sure feels that way. You know, I I am so preposterously lucky that uh, I got to be able to play music as much as I did for a, like, functional job in New Orleans. Because, like, sure, we're all lucky to live the way we did down there in a lot of ways. But, like, there aren't a ton of places that you can make enough money to sort of exist as a musician in this world where you're not really selling your soul or not doing things that you don't want to do like if you're if you're a certain type of musician you treat it as a, as a craft you say i want to get better at this instrument this instrument and this instrument from these time periods i have all the material to do so i'm going to study it i'm going to chip away at the thing and get better at it and so that's what i really loved about that new orleans scene is they were a type of utilitarian musician where they can say hey we'll sit out on the corner this is what we do we play from you know 1920s to 1940s ragtime and we're amazingly good at it and like that that's our utility and then the next week they're playing at a Cajun gig or they're playing at an old time gig you know like just that that sort of uh ability to be a like a functionally craft player like I, I think that's so cool and that's what you're hearing on that record we put a lot of effort into our craft and that's I think something that makes the New Orleans scene stand out is it's not really like I've got a guitar. I got feelings. Please listen to me. It's like, hey, no, I, I have a job. We're going to go play. These guys got a drink and they need to dance and we need to keep these people happy. You know, and so that's like we're, we're, we're company players down there. And that's that's sort of, I think, what you're see, or seeing and hearing in the music is, is an enthusiasm that we truly do have because we, we love our craft, you know. And, uh, you, you know, um, you I mean, not only do you bring such, such joy, you can see the audience as well. They, you know, just this, 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 the, the positive energies are flowing from you to, to them and then flowing back again. And I mean, it's too much, you know, it's so cool. I mean, how you can, I mean, obviously, you know, the situation is now kind of going on the up in terms of this more positive news. Um, totally. You know, you know, um, but I mean, how how have you coped um 
as a as an artist, you're just in this, you know, the strangest of times. Because I mean, I'm I'm a fan of you, you, you know science fiction and you know pandemic fiction. I just didn't think I'd be living in one myself. Right. I had to kind of stop working on an apocalyptic novel as the last few years have played out because it's just hard on my mental health. But the short answer is uh, I've done this before. Um, I didn't get to grow up in a cool musician family like my folks are great. Um, but the things I'm into weren't what I was exposed to when I was young. You know, um, I, I really kind of carved out my interests and identity uh, in a way that was sort of like taking shelter from feeling like a misfit so like being isolated and having to occupy myself and uh stay sane in sort of like a situation that is like trying its best to undo you um that's a lot like growing up in arkansas so i you know i to to come back here as like a more prepared um sort of uh skilled and um, centered individual and try to tackle the pandemic even with the isolation and all the problems and stuff and having my lovely girlfriend to help through all of it of course like you know just having company and having these these things to ply yourself towards uh has really been the saving grace but don't get me wrong there's been plenty of like distraught gray terrible times you know it's not like i it we're none of us are immune to this being tough um but i will say that like to cope um through this has been the same way I coped through um, recovering from lung surgery. It's the same way I coped through like having to be in athletics as somebody who should have never been in a red state, you know, like it, that any way I've had to deal with anything is the same way I've dealt with Corona, which is just, you know, uh, what you're good at and what keeps you uh, sane and what keeps you uh, satisfied should be the core of your day and everything else kind of has been pressed pause. So if, if, if nothing, just try not to fret, <laughs> you know, like I, I could fret myself into a, a complete frenzy, but uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's a skill. It's a muscle like anything. And I think people just need to, or have gotten a rude awakening that, you know, it's, it's hard to exercise that part of your brain to keep yourself happy. You know, it's, it's yeah. a really, it's a, it's not a novel task. It's a monumental task. Well, it, it, it's, it's also, I, I feel with with your mind especially you create the reality that you want right because because if you're sending out and not to sound too too cheesy but if you're sending out positive positive waves the universe is going to respond in kind it's mm -hmm. going to send send you those positive waves waves back and it's um how you can you know, live in that reality as well. I mean, the, the re re reality that we find when, when we li listen to, to music and especially when music that transports us, that, that, you know, it brings that, you know, chance to escape. And I think mm -hmm. that's what, what pe 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 people now have realized that music can, is not just, purely for entertainment but it can be used as an escape as a as a way to keep the balance within ourselves sure and, and you know i agree completely and i think um the way that i've tried to think about it maybe even more than an escape or a shelter is it's fortification it's a sweater you know what i mean it's it's uh it's a it's closing the door when the cold comes it, I, I really think that like as much as you can put all the positivity you want into the universe um if the universe is raining down chaos and indifference and badness on you 
you know, that meeting it with all the positivity you can give, you're just going to have this tension, you know, that the, the give and pull will always be there. But if you got a sweater on, if you're a little bit fortified from it, you know, if you have like, just if you got a friend in whatever is comforting you, you know, all the things that are coming at you from outside, the, the circumstances that you can't help, um, that those are a lot more withstandable and a lot more survivable with the right, with the right company. And I, I would like to think, and I sure hope, and the evidence has, has borne this out and really just makes me feel uh, incredibly grateful and flattered and all the things that my music does provide some fortification for people. And that's, that's amazing. You know, it's an unbelievable feeling. And I, I can't, I wouldn't trade the success of shows that I have not had, you know, like I haven't played to more, like the last show I played was in St. Rock Tavern to buddies, you know, a couple dozen people. It, it was not a big show and I have not gotten to really do those because the popularity that I have accrued has happened in a vacuum. So what, what I would rather have is what I've really gotten during this pandemic which is the opportunity to help people and it's, it hasn't always been true and sometimes it feels really weird and uh disconnected of course like and also like sort of vain because you're just stuck in this like endless cycle of instagram and releasing music and talking about yourself and thinking about yourself thinking about the community. you know it's like how do you break out of that and and feel like a functional musician but the silver lining and what really has kept me going is all of the times that people have reached out and said like hey this was you know, the reason that this was all a little easier and a little more survivable. And that means the damn world. It really does, you know. And what a fantastic song, a Turn on the Dark. I mean, that, I, I love that song. Thank you so much. That's, that is the first, like, uh, truly uh, kind of spooky tune I've put out in the world. So I'm, I'm stoked that everyone likes it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, so for me, it's kind, kind of like, an anti-pandemic song. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, it, well, what's very interesting about that song is it predates even uh, me playing guitar for this music. That's actually when I first came up with OK Crawdad, it was when I was living in a big metal barn out in the woods in Arkansas and building my van out to live in it uh, like five years ago. So I was just out in the woods, not having a great time, kind of heartbroken and cold. And uh, I wrote this kind of sad banjo song and recorded it on a tape recorder and then forgot about it. You know, I really just didn't revisit that song for years, but it was just, it was written in such a state of like, man, I can't stand the, the cities. I can't stand the country. I can't stand myself. I can't stand anything. I just want to hide, you know? And like, I found the Shel Silverstein poem around the same time and it was turn on the dark and it's the uh, eek the little bat yelled out in fright turn on the dark I'm afraid of the light and I was like that that captures it perfectly so I, I put together that song and forgot about it and then got to dig it up for this record so it's so cool that it's seeing the light of day uh forgive forgive me for the <laughs> the fun there <laughs> and then um do you just um you, you know, are you old school? Do you, do you write everything down or are you, are you using, a, you know, new, new te technology, just like speed speaking into a phone? Um, you know, I saw, I saw your face there and you're like, no. Well, I, it's really both because I'm, 
I'm not a uh, I'm not a purist about yeah. about technology. I think that the reason that we have all these archival recordings is because people were willing to embrace technology. The folks who are like, no, I'm staying up the hall or I'm not going to do that. You know, like that. We don't have their music anymore. And that, that's that's a shame, you know. So like I I very much embrace aspects of technology. A lot of it I'm just unfamiliar with and I'm kind of a, a grandpa. I can't do it. You know, so it's like that's <laughs> that's less about that. Like I don't have cool usb mics or anything but you know like i record on my cell phone um and i'll be driving sometimes and a ditty will come in my head i'm like oh damn that's good i should just like whistle that out real quick and i'll keep that that melody and then get to use it later but all my lyrics are handwritten uh you know i have piles of songbooks i've got all like i just got so much handwritten media around me and i'm an illustrator and a painter too so like you know i'm, I'm just like surrounded by all my crap all the time and so like i I'm very much mired in physical media. I love paper. I love the touch of paper. I love pens and inks. You know, I collect this stuff, but uh, I, I'm also not too proud to record a voice memo while I'm driving if I want to remember a, a melody, you know? So it's it's a very much a mix of both, but all of our records are recorded onto tape live. So like, if you want any evidence of where I lean, it's definitely towards the like analog old school side of things, but uh, I'm, I'm also a pragmatist, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you are, a, a renaissance art artist because not only do you sing not only do you play but you draw you paint you ink everything i mean it's fantastic to the way that you you've got a unique style that 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 i find that kind of, kind of captures your soul but but in ink as well mm -hmm. Well, the way I can only explain it is I, I really just don't know any better. Like it all just kind of started falling out of me from a young age and, and the art I, you know, I went to school for art. I thought I was like sort of going to be a professional artist and then school didn't work out and art didn't quite work out. And I started traveling for music and that was just the way it went. But, uh, you know, being able to be like, Hey, I have this sort of more definite, uh, uh, less fleeting way of being able to get to know what's going on in my head. You know, you listen to a song, there's your two minutes, 50 seconds. You don't get much out of it. But if you're looking at a drawing, you have like a very much like laid it all out there kind of deal. So I, I really am grateful, honestly, that I have both out outlets because my biggest fear is being misunderstood. So if I can like really make sure that everybody knows what's going on in here, that uh, yeah, they're, they're getting an accurate portrait. And you're also a fashion icon because that that hairstyle as well, right? Come on. And I'm so glad it's gone blonde, blonde as well. Oh uh, yeah, blondes have more fun, right? Uh it was kind of rose gold, but it, it's funny you mentioned that part because I really was sort of uh shocked at the uh how novel my my aesthetic was on on the internet with the Tiger King stuff, especially when that was first coming out. And I really I don't know how much we can blame Joe Exotic, but uh, there there might have been some sort of algorithmic uh, pick-me-up by the amount of people who were making jokes about Tiger King stuff and that hair coming out at the exact same time. So even though I don't know if I want to be associated with that whole world, here I am. And uh, I, that, that was my Mardi Gras haircut, that the blonde sides, and uh, suddenly it was being viewed by hundreds of thousands of people, and it's like, well, that was unexpected. <laughs> so... But, but then but then I did get a bit bit sad because one, one in one of your early videos it it, it gets to be shaved off as well. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I mean this thing has gone through all sorts of phases. If you talked to me in two thousand 
17 or whatever, I would have just had a giant mass of curly hair, you know, so it, it's, it's been all over the place. But, but then you've also played for the other side. You've also gone full, like, clean shave and, like, short back and sides. So it's just like, wait a second, where did Nick go? <laughs> well, every once in a while, I call it the pile and purge, you know? You, uh, you pile things up, and then you clear it all out. And uh, I think that I had, like, some kind of rat. I had, like, a really ratty sort of uh, rat tail mullet thing going on. And my mustache armor, I, I shaved a chunk out of it on accident. And I was like, screw it, we're going all off. So I, that was actually a really funny phase because a lot of people were like, wow, you went clean. And I was like, no, I just screwed up twice. <laughs> you know, I, I, I screwed up my, uh, my mustache and my mullet stuff. So. I've been through a couple phases of it. Doesn't bother me. I'd shave it all off tomorrow if it meant uh, I would like not be uncomfortable or something. You know, I, I've shaved my head. That's taken years of hair to grow, and it was just too hot for me. So it's it's not really so much fashion as I just veer in random directions without much uh, forethought. So oh well. But then, but then it may not be fashion. But everyone is following that that fashion as well. It's just like, oh, what's he going to come up with next? Well, I saw one of my least favorite people in the world, Ted Cruz, with uh, a fade a fade mullet, and uh, that made me really sad. And uh, I hope that the fade mullet is is really just uh, I may I hope it ends with me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then your next album, album, if I'm right in thinking, Home on the Rage. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's going to come out on April twentieth. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. I saw some, yeah, I, can, 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 the person, can tell, tell, tell us a little bit, I mean, what, what can we expect? Well, it's my first effort at a solo record, and uh, I'll have a bunch of instruments that people haven't heard me play on a record before. There's some banjo songs, there's a bunch of one-man band stuff where I'm playing foot drums, uh, a little bit of harmonica, uh, but really it's, it's kind of a sound collage, if I were to call it anything. It's not even quite like a dance record like the last one. It's definitely like this is a slow and low kind of effort, and uh, I'm I'm proud of it. I'm I'm glad that 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 record's finally getting pushed out to see. Excellent, excellent. So, um, thinking about the future, I mean, you've got dates. You've got dates in the states. You've got dates, you know, in, you know, transatlantically as well. Um, how excited are you about about, about this next chapter in your life? uh how excited i mean really a year ago almost to this day uh is when we left new orleans and uh I, heck is it to this day let's see it'll be tomorrow will be one year since we left new orleans and you know just a few days ago i got in to get vaccinated and i'm going to be able to go out on this tour uh with a vaccine in my arm and so like just the idea of not really happen you know i've got lung conditions and all this stuff so not having to cower um or be sort of hostage to other people's uh standards because like i get it everyone's sick of this like i'm sick of it too you know like i i don't i don't i don't blame anybody for being loosey-goosey about their covid stuff anymore because i'm i'm just over it just like everyone else but not having to be hostage again to other people's standards to where like I'm afraid to get close to this person because they're drunk and maskless at a show and just trying to talk to me, you know, and like, I'm so I'm stoked that person wants to talk to me. But also I'm like, 
great. I, that's just going to, you know, like make me worried. So like having, having that weight lifted, I really can't, uh, I can't say enough what a good feeling that is. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like, there's no other way to communicate it. That's fantastic. Now, um, is it possible? Is it possible that we could hear your voice sing a song? Oh, sure. I mean, there's a guitar right here. Um, yeah, I just got this sucker in the mail from Fender. I so, saw that. I was know what, how, how completely nuts is this? Again, and this is one of those, if you told me a year ago things, but like, seriously, uh, you know, when I was packing my truck uh, and frantically trying to get out of New Orleans, you know, with uh, just that Western AF video really to, to, to my name, I, I would have never thought Fender was sending me a guitar in a year. That, let's just put it that way. <laughs> But uh, what do you want to hear? Let's let's uh, do a request line here. <clears throat> I would love um, I, I, Irene Goodnight. I can do Irene Goodnight, yeah. Yeah. That's my warm-up song. <laughs> uh, and apologies to, uh, to Lead Belly. I don't remember some of these verses, but I got two of them. Unless you can feed me one. I know, I know you probably know them. Sometimes I live in the country. Sometimes I live in town. Sometimes I take a cool notion to jump in the river and Stop your gambling. Stop staying up late at night. Go home to your wife and your family. Stay there by the fireside Goes wild. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>
that's fantastic. Thank, thank you so much uh, for for your time, for coming on to, to the show. Uh, it's been absolutely a dream to, to have have you on this podcast. Like I said, I appreciate you so much. I, I haven't gotten to talk to many people across the pond about the tunes, so congrats. You're one of the very, very few and very first, so I couldn't thank you enough. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.